I'm Kathy Weinger with Cottle Creek Ranch in Gonzales, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, wheat harvest has now reached the halfway point. We're over 50% complete on this 2022 wheat harvest. Of course, we've talked all year long about how horrible this wheat crop looks. 80% of it is rated poor to very poor, but there's that 20% of the crop that looks fairly good. We'll take a look at some of that wheat in Northeast Texas coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you want good outcomes during calving season, nutrition for mama cows during gestation is vital. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we round out our series on dystocia. Getting a 30,000-foot view of agricultural issues and production. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my story from a legislative ag day on Texas Ag Today. We're in the middle of landscaping season. Plants are growing, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the challenges we see as we enter summer. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about landscaping in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Winter wheat harvest in Texas is now more than half done, according to the latest Crop Progress and Condition Report. It shows wheat harvest now 53% complete. All year long, we've been reporting on the fact that 80% of the Texas wheat crop is rated poor to very poor, but there is that 20% that's looking pretty good. Some of that wheat is located in northeast Texas. Braden McKinnis farms the river bottoms between Corsicana and Palestine. He says they've been very dry this year, like the rest of Texas, but that's actually been a help on that heavy river bottom soil. It looks good. It looks exactly kind of what we were anticipating. And what we've kind of been planning for, we've been abnormally dry since uh, middle to late part of fall, all the way through winter and, and spring, and especially now, which in this part of the world is heavy black clay. It seems like a dry year. We always do a little better anyways. And with fertilizer so expensive this year, many farmers in his area cut back on their applications. But he says that's showing up here at Harvest. It seems like the guys that went on and spent the money on nitrogen and fertilizer you know, like usual, and the guys that split it up and applied fertilize as if it wasn't $1,100 a ton. You know, the guys that went on and did that, it seems like yields are pretty good. Uh, there were, I know there's been several guys I spoke with in Central and East and Northeast Texas that have kind of cut back on trying to save on fertilize inputs. And, you know, I, I think I think yields are down due to, due to that more than they are the weather. McKinnis says he's getting 65 to 70 bushels on most of his wheat. 
Getting a new crop protection product approved or an existing product renewed is never an easy task, but it may be getting harder. Sean Wade, Director of Policy Analysis and Research for Plains Cotton Growers, says the Environmental Protection Agency has come out with new rules on how they'll consider new and renewal pesticide labels and how those products affect the Endangered Species Act. Of course, the contention there is that uh, they, they've contended that some outside groups have contended that, that EPA has not always uh, fulfilled all of their duties under the ESA uh, when it comes to some of these labels. And so they uh, have announced some, some plans to, to be uh, much more active on that Endangered Species Act discussions uh, with, uh, you know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service um, when it comes to, you know, what the potential impacts are for these products as they are either labeled as new products or uh, have labels come up for renewal. Wade says that's an issue that Plains cotton growers will be watching closely in the coming months. If you want good outcomes during calving season, nutrition for cows during gestation is vital. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. This week we've been talking about dystocia, which is the scientific term for difficult calving. As we discussed yesterday, choosing the right heifers can help lower the dystocia rate in a herd. Now let's turn to nutrition. Proper nutrition during gestation can also help minimize dystocia concerns. Dr. Jennifer Kojal with the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo says providing the right amount of protein and energy are key. Some people think that excess energy might be needed or they will think that they can decrease feeding to help decrease birth weight. And that's simply not true. We really need to maximize and hit those targets of protein and energy in those diets. And so working with your nutritionist to make sure that your diets are hitting those benchmarks for a cow ingestation or a heifer ingestation is really important. But on the other hand, Dr. Pippa Gibbons, also with the Texas Tech Vet School, points out. Make sure they're not too fat. Because if they're too fat, then two things happen. One is they're more likely to have a problem calving because there's a lot of fat in the pelvic tract and they're more likely to tear. And the second is a lot of that fat's laid down in the udder, so they're not going to milk the calf well. And so the calf's not going to have a good growth. And my thanks to Drs. Kojal and Gibbons for the insights they've provided in this series. Now, turning our attention over to row crops, it's already been a difficult season for local farmers with all kinds of weather extremes. One sad example, a big hail event last week in the northeast panhandle. What I saw in that hailed out area was really just complete devastation. It wasn't pretty. That was Ockeltree County Extension agent Scott Strong describing some corn, cotton, and wheat fields that really took a wallop. More on the area crop situation tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Educating legislators and their staff was the goal of a recent legislative ag day held in Luling, Texas. Tom Nicoletti was there. My guest today is Travis County Farm Bureau President Joe Morris. Travis County Farm Bureau, along with uh, Hayes and Caldwell County Farm Bureaus, are uh, co-sponsoring this, uh, along with Texas Farm Bureau at the Luling Foundation, bringing in uh, legislative staffers from Austin to learn more about agriculture. Also, Texas Ag Council, which is a group of ag lobbyists, they also were a significant sponsor. Before I became a lobbyist, I was a, served as the chief of staff in the Texas Senate. And we had a young person, actually she was an intern, who did not know, she wasn't really aware of where cotton came from. So I brought her a cotton bowl to the office one day and told her that's where jeans and t-shirts came from. And then it occurred to me that maybe a lot of Texans today don't know 
where food and fiber comes from. And so that was the genesis for this event. And certainly there are staffers here from urban lawmakers' offices as well as rural lawmakers, and uh, all of them are here to uh, learn more about where their food and fiber come from, to uh, pass that along to their bosses in the offices as uh, the 2023 uh, legislative session begins. That is absolutely correct because what we are trying to do here is giving our target audience is urban legislators that otherwise have no contact with agriculture, rural life, uh, because, you know, now most of most Texans live in the city. And so that way we can give them kind of a 30,000 foot view of just a few topics so that when an uh, issue comes up, they have some bit of knowledge to draw from. That is Travis County Farm Bureau President Joe Morris. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is a challenging year for landscaping here in Texas. Horticulturalist John Begno reports from San Angelo. Well, if your plants are not performing maybe as well as they should, there may be some reasoning behind all of this. First of all, you have to ask a question, what about residual cold injury? Make sure that it's not just recovery and they have a slow start. That's not uncommon. And then you get a a year with exceptionally high temperatures and in some parts of the state below average rainfall, and that can all affect performance. But if you discounted all of that and you're noticing, for instance, the growth of the plants are not as quick or as robust as you want or the color of the leaves are not dark or the bloom in the case of flowering plants is below performance, then you have to ask some questions. First of all, would it be something that the environment is contributing to it, like the excessive heat or so forth, that you can't really control? Or is it something that humans can be involved with, like fertilizer or additional water, or in some cases, too much water? We see this in container plants a lot that have been used for years and years, and the same soil has been in there, and we don't change it out and aerate it and and just reduce the compaction. Plants are not going to perform quite as well. So you might consider a little loosening of some of those container soils to make sure that the roots can absorb the nutrients that you apply. And one thing to be cautious about is don't assume that the addition of fertilizer cures everything. Many times it's not a lack of nutrients that are, are causing the plant challenges or problems. Look for insects. Anytime you see damage to leaves, you can, of course, think animal or insect injury. And if that's the case, you can take action. And the action is usually choose something that's natural or biological, if that's an option. And then the least offensive product that's effective. Don't go on the Internet and think that all of this organic stuff can be true. Use it if you have proof scientifically that it's effective. And then it can also be diseases. So, In some cases, a combination insects and disease control product may be in order. So do a little inspection. Close inspection is the first step in solving plant challenges. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. Endangered and threatened sea turtles and shorebirds can be found in the West Matagorda Bay along the Texas coast while not found in other bays. A new study is underway to examine what makes the Matagorda Bay so special. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And which dairy cows are best suited for warmer temperatures? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Which dairy cows are best suited for warmer temperatures? Dr. Bob Judd says Dr. Courtney Daigle at Texas A&M is looking into that question. Dr. Daigle is leading a project to collect data on the productivity and phenotype of dairy cows regarding heat tolerance. Phenotype is simply the observation of the animal and its interaction with the environment. The project is funded by a U.S. Department of Agriculture grant, and the goal is to develop a database strategy needed to facilitate genetic selection of cows that cope better with heat stress. The researchers are looking to find the cows that can tolerate heat stress and then determine their behavioral and physiological differences and to better understand how cows manage heat stress. Dr. Daigle indicates the changing climate is likely to impact dairy production because dairy producers in warmer regions may not have methods for cooling the cows. Cows can also still develop heat stress even when provided with cooling, so we need to breed for cows that can tolerate heat stress. Texas is a good place to perform this study since we have crazy weather patterns allowing the study of lots of different temperatures and its effect on the dairy cows. The study uses body-mounted sensor technology to collect behavior data because collecting behavior data is labor-intensive. Fortunately, the dairy industry is already high-tech, using multiple types of software to collect numerous types of data on the performance of their cows. Dairy producers can anonymously contribute their data. Basically, producers will be able to work with their own animals and find the ones tolerant of heat and focus on these cows' genetics when breeding. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Endangered and threatened sea turtles and shorebirds can be found in the Matagorda Bay. Jessica Domo looks at what makes the Matagorda Bay so special in today's Wildlife Report. For the past two and a half years, world-class researchers have been studying West Matagorda Bay on the Texas coast to learn more about the bay's unique system that enables it to support endangered and threatened species. Quentin Hall, research specialist for the Center for Sport Fish Science and Conservation, which partnered with the Texas Comptroller's Office Natural Resources Program for the ecological assessment, says there are species found in the bay that are no longer found in other bay systems. Great examples would be green sea turtles. You've got a lot of whooping cranes that are actually on the island at various points throughout the year. You've got some sport fish species actually like Atlantic tarpon that are pretty common in that bay when they're not so common other places. And so the goal is really just to kind of establish a baseline of like, okay, what is in this bay and what makes this bay so much more productive and so much healthier than other bays that all these endangered species are there. So instead of just looking at one individual little thing, the comptroller's office had the idea of let's look at all of it because this is a living, breathing system and all these different things impact other things. We have to really look at this as a whole. The information gathered from the Bay's ecological assessment will be used to create a baseline to judge future improvements or losses. The assessment will also be used to create tools that can support communities on the coast in sustaining economic development while protecting natural resources. 
The assessment will also inform the development of effective restoration and conservation strategies of sea turtle and shorebird populations. The ecological assessment is wrapping up now and should be complete by the end of the year. The information from the assessment will be made available to the public once it's complete. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a nice rebound in the cattle market on Wednesday, but the wheat market continued to drift lower. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a rough start in the cattle market this week. However, at midweek, things have turned around. A nice bounce back on Wednesday with triple-digit gains at both live and feeder cattle futures. Strength on the charts and a strengthening cash market helping to support the futures markets. June live cattle up 235, closing at 137.55. The August up 272, 136.80. While October live cattle up 207, closing at 142.22. Feeder cattle market finishing higher also. August feeders up $1.97, 173.27. September feeders up $1.75 at 175.10, while October was up $1.52, 176.80. We mentioned that strengthening cash market. Cash fed cattle market this week has looked really good. We've seen a trading range here in the southern plains of 136 to 139 on a live basis. That's steady to two bucks higher compared to last week. Up north, dressed cattle have traded from 223 to 230 that's about four bucks higher compared to last week boxed beef prices were higher on wednesday choice up 11 cents 269.55 select up a dollar 23 at 248.05 now let's check the auction barns we're walking the pens with larry marble when you hear cattle in the alleyway they're getting moved out from the sale monday in Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. Riley Rhodes, how many noses did you count? Pretty good, Larry. I ended up with 1,308 head today. Uh, market was a little bit mixed. Uh, quality of cattle wasn't quite as good as what we've had in the last couple of weeks, but uh, I thought the calves probably were three to five cheaper today. Kind of a bad day uh, Friday and today on the futures market. Uh, kind of a little bit of concern there. Uh, good news, Packer cows, they put money on them. They were two to four higher this week, uh, so uh, that turned out well. We had a few stocker cows, or pairs from seven. 
75 up to 1,200. The bred cows from 650 up to 1,100. Our high-yielding packer cows, 86 to 94. The breakers, 78 to 84. And the canners, 32 to 64. Uh, high-yielding packer bulls, 102 to 110. Low to medium-yielding bulls, 88 to dollar two. The two to three-weight choice steers, 170 to 192. Heifer mates, 144 to 168. Three to four-weight choice steers, 174 to 196. Heifer mates, 152 to 164. Four to five-weight choice steers, 172 to 190. Uh, heifer mates, 142 to 164. Five to six-weight choice steers, 158 to 180. The heifer makes 142 to 154. Six to seven weight choice steers, 142 to 158. And the heifer makes 128 to 140. And the seven to eight weight uh, cattle, the choice steers, 126 to 144. Heifer makes 120 to 134. So uh, pleased with it. You know, like I said, it was a little bit of a mixed market. Uh, had a lot of a lot of uh, kind of crossbred cattle here today. And, uh, you know, they were a little bit harder to place than what they have been. But uh, was pleased uh, with what happened. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you next week. 361-786-2553 is office. Uh, cell phone's three. 618136650 webpage liveoaklivestock.com neighbor I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas reporting for Texas Ag today Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher. July hogs up a dollar sixty-five at one hundred eight twenty-seven. August hogs up seventy-seven, one hundred four thirty-two. Class three milk slightly higher Wednesday. June milk up three cents at twenty-four thirty-four a hundred weight. July milk up a penny. 2426100 $2, The cotton market drifted lower in Wednesday's trade mostly due to more widespread COVID-19 breakouts in China. Traders are thinking that China will reduce its imports of food, fuel, and fiber. That caused a lower cotton market on Wednesday. July cotton down 30 points at 143.18, October down 244 points, 125.12 while December was up 273 points, 117.92. Not much news to move the corn market on Wednesday. We closed mix with the nearby July up five and three quarters, 774 a bushel. The new crop contracts were slightly lower. September corn down a half at 729. December corn down a quarter penny, 721 a bushel. The wheat market continues to drift lower this week. July Kansas City wheat was down another nine cents, 1133 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down a quarter penny at 1050 a bushel. In the energy markets, July natural gas up 27 cents at 746. July crude oil down 299 at 115.94 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 303 points, 30,668. The Nasdaq up 270 at 11,099. The S&P up 54 at 3,789. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.